Leaves South America on a ship headed back to England, and that ship was soon lost at sea, and everyone on board presumed as dead. His mother, who was devastated by this loss of, of her son, placed ads in newspapers pleading for any kind of information and offering reward for anyone who could give her information about her son. Eleven years later, in 1865, a man shows up claiming to be Roger Titchborn. He said that he was saved from a shipwreck, taken to Australia, and he worked as a butcher there under the name Tom Castro. Castro then t traveled to England. He met Miss Lady Titchborn, and she decided that he was indeed the long-lost son and the heir. When Castro went to lay claim to his, in to his inheritance and his um, prosperity, other members of the family challenged his claim. They hired investigators who claimed that Castro was actually a London-born butcher by the name of Arthur Orton. In the following trials, many people stood up and supported Castro and his claim. However, there was a few discrepancies, and in the end, Tom Castro could not speak French, which Roger Tichborn had been able to. And Arthur Orton had attempted to impersonate Sir Roger Tichborn, but he failed the test, and he was exposed. This morning, I want to look at the question, who is Jesus? Is he an imposter, or is he God? Now, I could ask this question to everyone here, and I would get 168 very different answers, correct answers. And you see, this sermon this morning is not going to be simply a revelation of something new that I've stumbled upon. No. Rather, everything you're about to hear this morning, you already know. And yet, that's nothing new in the church. It's very common. Because truth is timeless. And what's true this morning has been true for my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, etc. But yet, the answer to this question is the very foundation to what Christianity is built on. And there's a lot of delusionment in our society today. And that happens when we depart from our understanding of Jesus as from the clear word of God and start getting our understanding of Jesus from who we interpret him to be through social understanding and our experiences. And when our experiences as a Christian do not match up with the clear word of the Bible and we start preaching what our experience is, we become disillusioned. And that's what's happened across pulpits in America and across the very, very books that you can read. People's experiences are not matching up with what the Bible says, and instead of teaching what the Bible says, they're teaching their, ex their experiences or what they understand Jesus to be through the society around them. And we need to come back to the clear, spoken word of God, who is Jesus. So this morning I want to look to the clear word to answer that question, who is Jesus so that our knowledge of and our relationship to our Lord grows and strengthens. A little child is born in Bethlehem. We just came through Christmas. We sing songs. We, we talk about Jesus. The world even seems to talk about him. But who is that baby? And we say we know him, and I, I don't doubt that. But who is that little baby born? And the question is, when did his life begin? Did it begin in the womb of Mary when the Holy Spirit came upon her? But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though ye are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, 
from everlasting. Who is this Jesus? The general consensus today will tell you he was a good man. He was a prophet, a very unique man in history, and probably none will ever come like him, but that's it. That's all he is. Who is this Jesus? What does the Bible say? Jesus, in his own words, said, Before Abraham was, I am. What does that mean? What is Jesus trying to say in that statement? Not only is he saying that before Abraham was, he was. He was before Abraham. And Abraham was a long time in the past. He's making a statement that to the Jews means a lot more than it means to us. He's saying, I, I am. That is the very unspeakable name of God to the Jew. It is the I am that I am statement in the burning bush made to Moses. Jesus is saying that I always was, I am, and I always will be. Did he really say that? Did Jesus actually say that? Well, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. They called it blasphemy. But what if he is the I am? Is it blasphemy? Who is this Jesus? The Bible declares that he is from old, from everlasting, the creator. Now that might surprise you because I believe we all this morning have a very high understanding of who Jesus is, and I don't doubt that. But do we understand that he is the creator? You see, we often limit the work of Jesus to his work on the cross. And I'm not limiting that work this morning, no. But do we understand that Jesus is so much more than just what he accomplished on the cross? He is from everlasting. He always was, and he created all things. John 1, 1 through 3, verses 10 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Can we truly grasp what that is saying? And maybe it's because we heard it so many times, and we haven't memorized it, we just We read over and say, yes, yes, I understand that, I believe, yes, that's true. But do we truly grasp what that is trying to say? Hear it afresh. Jesus was, from the beginning, he created all things, and then in all his glory and all his splendor, he took the form of a man. God himself became flesh and bone and dwelt among us. I don't think we can truly grasp that incredible work of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3.9, Paul continues by saying, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So God created all things, all things by Jesus Christ. Now, Dad talked about Colossians 1 about two weeks ago. I'm going to touch on it here again. Where Paul says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. So not only did Jesus create all things, they were created for him. And not only was he before all things, he actually he, all things consist because of him or are held together 
because of Jesus. And this isn't just my lofty opinion of Jesus. This isn't my, what I esteem him to be. This is what the clear word of the Bible is saying this morning. And if your understanding of Jesus does not meet up to what the Bible is saying about him, we do not need to water down the Bible and reduce it to fit into our small box. Our understanding needs to be elevated to a point where it agrees with what the Bible is saying. Who is this Jesus? The Bible declares that he was and that he is God. And all throughout the gospel, Jesus himself declared that, saying over and over again, and he uses the name I am, that God used, again, in the burning bush, all throughout the gospels. And that statement does not mean much to us because of what, more than what the Jews would have meant it to them. But the very name of Jesus, which is the name given to him, and it is a name above all names, is actually a part of the I am, or Jehovah, Yahweh, all caps Lord, if you, as you're reading. And then you add to that a verb that means to save, and you have Jesus. The I am saves. Isn't that incredible? The very name of Jesus that we read and we talk about, the I am saves. And Jesus, once again, he used that, that I am to, to himself. He claimed that for himself over and over again. And that infuriated the Jews. They hated him for it because they called it blasphemy. And they sought ways to kill him. He was calling himself God, but what if he is God? And it's not blasphemy, it's truth. Hebrews 3, 3 and 4. For this man, Jesus was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. We already established who built all things. And that's Jesus. And he who built all things, he is God. Colossians 1, 19, and then... Chapter 2 and verse 9. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. For in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Philippians 2, 6. Jesus Christ, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus committed no crime when he made himself equal with God. He said himself, my Father and I are one. The Jews heard that and they hated him for it. He made himself equal with God. And Paul is saying that was not robbery because he is God himself. Mark 2, 5 through 7. This is a story of the man who is paralyzed. His four friends bring him to Jesus. They can't get to Jesus. So they go up on the rooftop, take the roof off, and lower him. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, or to the paralyzed, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Does it not seem strange to you that when a man who Jesus very well knew was paralyzed was placed in front of him, he said, Your sins are forgiven you? We all know why that man was there. He was there to be healed by the healer himself. And yet Jesus did this on purpose. And as the, the scribes are sitting there and they're, and they're just fuming and just like, why is he doing this? Because only God can forgive sins. And they're right. Only God can forgive sins. And that's exactly who's doing it. It's God himself. Who is this Jesus? 
The Bible declares that he has fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies. There's a standard in Scripture that the Messiah must reach, must align with. He must be the fulfillment of all righteousness. He must be the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament declares him to be. And why is that? So that way we can see and recognize any false messiahs. Now, there are many, many prophecies, and there's been numbers thrown out there how many prophecies are about Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at 30 of them. But the question is, what if he passes the test? What does that mean? That means he is all that the Old Testament has declared him to be. He is the one and the only Messiah. He proved the Son of God. And as, you're going to, as we go through this, you're going to see an Old Testament prophecy and a New Testament um, fulfillment of that. He proved the seed of the woman. In other words, he came from a woman. He proved the seed of Abraham. He proved the seed of Isaac. He proved the seed of David. So not only did he have to come from Abraham, and Abraham two sons, he had to come from Isaac. And Isaac had sons, it had to come from Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. And Messiah had to come through Judah and then through David. And that whittles it down very, very specific where this Messiah came from. Jesus fulfilled them all. He proved to be born of a virgin. He proved to be Emmanuel, God with us. He proved to be born in Bethlehem, Judea. A very specific town, a small town, but it must be from that town. He proved that kings fell down before him, offering gifts. He proved to be called out of Egypt. What a strange decree, what a strange prophecy. He had to be called out of Egypt. Jesus was. He proved that Elijah came before him. He proved anointed with the Spirit. He proved that his ministry commenced in Galilee. He proved to enter Jerusalem riding upon a colt. He proved undesirable to many. He proved meek. He proved to be without guile. He proved to be consumed with zeal for God's house. He proved that he bore the reproach. He proved that his sheep were scattered. He proved betrayed by a friend. He proved to be sold for 30 pieces of silver and a potter's field purchased with the money. It's a very specific amount of money. And even Jesus' enemies fulfilled prophecies about him. He proved to be numbered with the criminals. He proved to go silently as a lamb unto the slaughter. He proved to make intercession for his murderers. He proved that lots were cast for his clothing. As Jesus himself hung, dying on a cross, prophecies were being fulfilled right at his feet. He proved to die. In other words, he died. He had to, to be the Messiah. He proved that none of his bones were broken, and he proved to be pierced. The Messiah had to die in a very, very detailed manner. And that's very hard to manufacture when you're the one dying. And even when the Roman soldier, who knew nothing about all these prophecies, came to break his legs, to hasten the death, he realized, oh, he's dead. Instead of turning around and just leaving, he pierced him, fulfilling prophecies. He proved risen again from the dead on the third day. He proved to have ascended. Jesus passed every single test put forth to him. He didn't fail a single one. He is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament was. He was before the Old Testament. He came to earth after the Old Testament and he fulfilled the entire New Testament. Every single iota that the Old Testament declared about the Messiah, 
Jesus fulfilled. He started the process, and then he fulfilled it. Why? Because he is God Almighty. Who is this Jesus? The Bible declares that he is overall, God forever, all-powerful, and holy sovereign. What comes next is a compilation of scripture, just put together. And I just want you just to sit back and just worship who this Jesus is and be prepared to be awestruck of who our God is. My God has measured the waters of this earth in the hollow of his hand, meted out the heaven with a span, comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in a scales and the hills in a balance. To him the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as a small dust of the balance. He sits as king between the mighty cherubim, above all, over all, and in control of all, the creator of the heavens and the earth, God of all the kingdoms of this earth. He combined the sweet influence of, of Pallades and loosed the bands of Orion. He can set the dominion of ordinances in the earth. He can send forth lightning, number the clouds, and stay the bottles of heaven. He is the mighty God, the everlasting God, over all, God blessed forever, the God of the whole earth, and his throne is forever and ever. He is the Almighty, which is and which was and which is to come, the creator of all things, the upholder of all things, the father of eternity, the beginning and the ending, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He is the rock of ages, the head of every man, the head of all principality and power, Lord of lords, Lord of all, Lord over all. He is the Prince of princes, the Prince of the kings of the earth. He that filleth all in all, the King of kings, the righteous judge, the King of saints, King of nations, King over all the earth, the King of glory, crowned with many crowns, and he sitteth king forever. And before him all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his own will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth, and none can stay his hand, or say unto him, What dost thou? Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever he had formed the earth in the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, he was God. When the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against him, he shall laugh and hold them in derision. He is bound by nothing but his own nature and his own law. He is not limited in power nor governed in action by the will or the pleasure of any angel, demon, or man. But rather he is limited and governed only by the dictums and restraints of his living prerogative to gain for himself a peculiar people, to establish his kingdom in this earth, and to shed abroad his glory unto the heathen. And in the not-so-distant future, he will return to bring terrible judgment to nations. And his feet shall touch down on Mount Olivet and see it divide asunder. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And he will behold the Ancient of Days, whose eyes are as a flame of fire, whose voice is as a sound of many waters, and whose countenance is as a sun, shining in all its strength. They will see the fiery stream issuing forth from before him, the thousand thousands ministering unto him, and the ten thousands times ten thousands that stand before him at the judgment. And all will behold the one whose feet all crowns will be cast. For he is worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For he has created all things, and for his pleasure they are and were created. So in concert with the noble King David, I pronounce, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. And thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head 
above all. Do we know this Jesus? Does your knowledge of Jesus agree with what the clear word of the Bible is saying? If not, something's wrong, and you need to elevate your understanding of who Jesus is to align with what the Bible says. Who is this Jesus? The Bible declares that he is salvation. And it's incredible to ponder who God is and therefore who Jesus is. In all of his grandeur and reading over those verses, his majesty, his power, it's just, it's, you're stunned. You're, you're speechless to really understand who he is. But when you realize that that same Jesus left all of glory, left all of what heaven had to offer, and left the Father's side, and become like us. That fact alone, that he looked down and saw something in us that he wanted, something in us that he saw as pleasant in our nature. He could have disposed of us, but no, he loved us. And he, wanted to, he wanted to redeem us for his pleasure and for his glory. And so he came. God himself took on the form of a man and became the only salvation for humanity, King of kings and Lord of lords came to earth for us. He humbled himself and he knew he would be ridiculed. He knew he would be scorned and mocked. And he still came. Why? That he might gain us? And yet this mind-blowing reality is what we as Christians attempt to ponder and grasp every day. That God himself became man to redeem man to himself. And yet, we know that. And it's easy to nod along and to simply agree because we heard it so many times. But stop and ponder afresh what God has done so that he might gain you and me. And yet, he didn't do this for his friends. He did it for his enemies. He came for those who wanted to kill him, who did not want anything to do with him. He came for them. And yet, this is the whole beauty and the whole power and the whole majesty of asking the question, who is Jesus? Because not only is he grandeur, not only is he all-powerful and all-wonderful, he is humility. He is love. He is kindness. He is tenderness, gentleness, meekness. He cares for us like a shepherd cares for one lost sheep. Do we know this Jesus? John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way. There is a way of the world, a capital W way. It's a way that does not lead to life, but there is a way. There is truth in this world, lowercase t. One plus one will always be two. There is truth, but it's not saving truth. It's not healing truth, redeeming truth. And there is life, lowercase l. We all have breath in our lungs. You're here looking at me this morning. But that's not the life that Jesus came. He is, capital L life, abundant life, everlasting life. That is who Jesus is. And if you want access to the Father, there's only one way to get to him. And that's through Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In Hebrews 7, 25, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost 
that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lived to make intercession for them. In case you didn't catch it, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, became flesh so that he might save us for his glory. Who is this Jesus? Jesus is the fulfillment of all that is revealed in the Old Testament. And if you want to know the Father, you look at Jesus. Jesus revealed the Father to us. And all that God is, is revealed in and through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at some of the names of God as given to him in the Old Testament, realizing that Jesus Christ showed us this in himself. Jesus is El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. Jesus is Elion, the Most High God. Jesus is Adonai, Lord, Master. Jesus is Yahweh, Lord, Jehovah. Jesus is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, my banner, the Lord, my miracle. Jesus is Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd. Jesus is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jesus is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jesus is Jehovah Sidkudu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jesus is Jehovah Mekodishkim, the Lord who sanctifies you, the Lord who makes you holy. Jesus is El Olam, the everlasting God, the God of eternity, the God of the universe, the God of ancient days. Jesus is Elohim, God, judge, creator. Jesus is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jesus is Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of powers. Jesus is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. Jesus is Kana, jealous. Who is Jesus? And that's all that the Bible declares to say. And yet, Jesus himself is asking this morning, but who do you say that I am? That's not Drew asking this question. That is Lord God Almighty, the Ancient of Days, the Everlasting Father. God in all of his glory is asking you this morning, who do you say that I am? And the very answer to that question will change everything. If you don't recognize it, that's the question that Jesus asked to his disciples. And first he asked them, who do men say that I am? And they answered him, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets, John the Baptist. And then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And with words resonating throughout all of history, Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And if you're going to answer that question this morning, the same way Peter answered that question, you are releasing all hold of your life. You are committed to be wholly his and that you will release all control of your life. And in return, he's going to give you life, abundant life, everlasting life. But if you choose to answer that question with a, he's just some other man, maybe a good prophet at the best, to you that's death, everlasting death. The answer to that question means everything. It will change your life. And everyone must answer that question. Who is Jesus?
All of Scripture attempts to answer that very question. Who is Jesus? Jesus came as a baby, one silent, dark night, but he changed everything. The Bible declares that that baby, that name Jesus, he is the creator of all things. He was and he is God. He fulfilled all that the Old Testament prophesied about him. He is God forever, overall, all-powerful, holy, sovereign, and he is the only way to salvation. But after all that the Bible declares him to be, Jesus himself is asking, who do you say that I am? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him to die for us. Thank you for giving us a will to choose. And Father, thank you for this time we could look into who is Jesus. And although this is only a start into what that answer could withhold, Lord, I pray that you would help us all to personalize that question and that, who, that you are asking all of us, who do you say that I am? And Father, in all your grandeur and all your glory and all your majesty and power, you desire a personal relationship with each one of us here this morning. And although that fact blows our mind, we simply say, thank you. Thank you for being a God who cares about us. Thank you for being a God who desires us. And may us, in turn, wholly commit our lives to you for your service. In Jesus' name, amen. Is this already?